I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. This episode of LiveWire is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, and then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hey there, and welcome to the Best News Podcast from Livewire, brought to you by Alaska Airlines. This is the show where we like to talk about what's good in the news and get emails from people who've been guilted in to reaching out to us. I'm Luke Burbank, right over there is my friend Elena Passarello. Hi, Elena. Hi, it sounds like the guilt trip was successful. I, I really kind of am conflicted about this because on the weeks when we don't get a lot of email in the mailbag or maybe any email, I'll mention it. And then all of their responses are people basically saying, I emailed because I felt bad for you. <laughs> like Susan uh, said, okay, you've begged again. So here's an email. <laughs> Come on, Susan. Although Susan says, I'm delighted that Bubbles will be joining the podcast soon. That's this kitten that I'm adopting. Um, Susan's in Portland, Maine, by the way. Uh, then Barbara said, Luke and Elena, I paused the podcast to write you immediately because you both seem so dejected you hadn't received any emails. Oh, I that's wonderful. Barbara would, for president. If, if it sounded like dejection, I went too far. I promise <laughs> you, Barbara, I will survive the week with no emails on the Best News Podcast. We got to be like my grandfather, who's uh, about to turn 98. And if you, haven't, if you haven't called him in a while, he'll be like, oh, I'm so glad you called. I was trying to figure out where to send the flowers. And he's like, <laughs> what? Flowers? He's like, yeah, I hadn't seen you, and I expected you was dead. <laughs> There's some A-level Southern passive aggressivity. Uh, also, Steve reached out to say, Hello, Elena and Luke. I'm a big fan of the Best News Podcast. Hearing about good news is so much better than hearing about bad news. See, Steve, you've zeroed in on the concept nice. of this show. And Thank then you, last Steve. but not least, JoJo sent us an actual handwritten letter. Says, I enjoy having the best news as a separate podcast. I've lived on and off in Portland for four years, and I'm excited to see you in person soon. Yay. Coming to us from the Alberta Street neighborhood is JoJo with the... With the very, in these days, unique handwritten letter, which you love to see. Yes. Um, the other thing I have to clear up before we get to the actual meat of the show this week is that uh, last week I identified this as week 14 of the Best News Podcast, but it was actually week 15. Oh, no. So that means <laughs> this week is actually week 16. Didn't we say episode five happened twice? <laughs> this is why our executive producer, Laura Haddon, doesn't want us to number things, because with it, will come confusion. Mm -hmm. But I think that's part of the charm of this podcast is that we're often going to be wrong about what episode we're on. 
Yeah, we should just start making numbers up. Like, welcome. Email to- me if you think it's charming that we're going to mess the numbers up a lot on the podcast. Best please news email us. Live- please. Wait, that sounded really desperate. Best news at livewireradio.org. All right, let's get to the actual best news this week. Elena, what are you seeing out there? But you know how we have uh, we have a great help in Jonas, our mm-hmm. best yes. news intern. Jonas Myers, the intern of the year. Yes. And I feel like every once in a while he'll plant one in the list that we look through <laughs> that is just like, oh, this is just low-hanging fruit for the passerello. It's <laughs> Elena Nip. Yeah, it's definitely Elena Nip, and that's appropriate because it's a cat story. Okay. Although now that Bubbles Burbank is on the horizon, I feel like we both, uh, we both kind of will enjoy these cat things. I probably will start you know, becoming more focused on feline-related yeah. news content as well. I can, I can already feel it happening. P.S. Personal cat-related news. My cat horked up a blade of grass that was, like, stuck up in his, like, sinuses at, like, Ooh. four in the morning. It was so long. It must have curved all the way around oh. his brain. That's what you have to look forward to. But also, what a relief to get that out. I mean, like, you know how you get a piece of, like, you know, corn stuck mm-hmm. in the back of your tooth, and that can just, like, ruin your week? Think about how your poor cat was feeling with a blade yeah. of grass at his... In his um, otolaryngological situation. Smell you, Nancy Drew. Do, cat, do cats have that, or is it just humans? Isn't that the, the intersection of the sinus and the back of the eye and the throat? Isn't that otolaryngology? I think that's exactly right. I think it's your larynges and, yeah, but whatever. Well done. All right. Dr. Burbank. <laughs> your cat story. <laughs> oh, so my cat story. Well, it's actually a small business story. There's okay. a small business. It hasn't been a great time for small businesses, but this one is now in its third year of operations. And I guess it's not really a small business as much as it's a nonprofit mm-hmm. run by a nine-year-old <laughs> <laughs> named Ben Miller, okay. who has been running a lemonade stand in his hometown of Boise, Idaho, giving all the proceeds to the Idaho Humane Society because he loves cats. Oh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> he started the stand after a visit to the Humane Society with his grandma, and he saw that not all of the cats had their own toys to play with. And so he was like, I got to do something about this. This was three years ago. So he switched. His, he was already planning on running a lemonade stand. That was already the, the business plan, but he changed the profit model. And I saw a photo of the stand and it's so cute. It's just like classic. It's like that long card table with a cloth over it and those glass jars that your grandma had with like the little spigots that are like attached. Oh, those are so great. I feel like if you really want to nail the classic lemonade stand, the I'm sure they don't charge five cents anymore. How are you going to raise money for cats that way? But you know, yeah. I feel like it was always the cent thing was always backwards. It'd be <laughs> yeah. like 25 and then like the, you know, that little C with the line through it would be like, Turned the wrong way. That's good branding, honestly. Totally. But so lavender lemonade, regular lemonade, plate of cookies, big smiling kid behind it. And in 2019, when he opened the lemonade stand, he raised $200, which, like you said, that's a lot of lemonade. That's pretty good profit. Uh, 2021, tripled that, $600. Idaho Humane Society was so grateful, they started talking about him on their social media pages and then, of course, the larger community fell in love with Lil Ben. And some people drove like an hour to his <laughs> front yard in Boise so they could patronize his lemonade stand. And so he just dropped off his 2021, 2022 earnings just in time for kitten season at the Humane Society, which is a very expensive time. 
And this year's proceeds are nearly double the amount from last year. $1,150. Wow. And it's going to go to vet care. It's going to go to food. It's going to go to toys. So very exciting. That's one of the cutest things that I've heard in a long time. Is he keep, I don't know if it says anything in the article, is Ben keeping a little five bucks here or there for himself? I mean, you know. There is no information uh, that says that he is keeping any of this money himself. You know what the thing I'm wondering is maybe the lemonade is like really good. Like, it must be. Maybe. I mean, I would give him all of my money just because that story is so adorable. But what if on top of that, it was like really amazing lemonade? Or what if it was terrible? <laughs> <laughs> what if people keep on paying him all this money and then they, they're like, Ugh, stick to fundraising, kid. I will tell you that I am constitutionally incapable of passing a lemonade stand without stopping. Unless I am, you know like on my way to a fire or something, which would be weird because I'm a radio host and podcaster and not a fireman. But the lemonade could put out the fire. (laughs) Unless like if I am, if I have any, any kind of wiggle room in my afternoon and I'm either walking or driving and I see one of those lemonade stands, I'm pulling over. What if an adult is running it? You know, I could see that happening in Portland. (laughs) I really could. The mustachio guy. I was about to say, that doesn't happen, but then I'm thinking about (laughs) Portland. And the, the deep weirdness, I could see. I would be less inclined if it was a grown-up. But if it's a kid, <laughs> get a couple of kids. There could be a grown-up, you know, hiding in the bushes. Yeah. Just like using the kids as a prop, maybe. Fine. But it works on me. I'm such a sucker for any kid trying to sell me something. I buy all the candy and all the uh, weird fundraising sprays. They have fundraising sprays now? Yeah. I buy tickets to pancake breakfast that I have no intention of attending. And spaghetti nights. Like, they, they know. I buy a lot of like the Girl Scout cookies, which, you know, they're yummy, but I don't need, like my nieces have done Girl Scout cookies over the years. And like, I'm just going to be honest. And if they're listening, Maddie and Mary, I love you. But like Uncle Luke doesn't need 20 boxes of (laughs) tagalongs or whatever. But then you give them away and you're a hero. So I guess it all works out. Speaking of big bucks, the best news that I saw this week, it was slightly north of $1,100. It was involving a sum of money. Uh, about $217 million American. Whoa. That is what an anonymous person in France won back in 2020 in what's called the Euro Millions Lottery. This is like a lottery that involves multiple countries in Europe. So it's wow. like France and the UK and all these other countries. Uh, this guy, and by the way, when I say guy, <laughs> that's sort of accurate because... In France, I guess you're allowed to be anonymous, even if you win one of these big things. So he hasn't given his name, but they're calling him Guy. That's just like the nickname, (laughs) which I feel like is the, isn't, I mean, that seems like an extremely common name in France. Like if somebody in America won a a lotto and they didn't want to tell you their name, so we just said, we're going to call him Joe. Yeah, yeah. Like isn't Guy basically the Joe of over there? I think it's pretty, I mean, Guy de Maupassant, the writer. um, Mm -hmm. Guy Smiley, who's the yes, French the version of Guy French, Smiley. The French yeah. Muppet, absolutely. <laughs> Those were the two geese I could think of as well. <laughs> anyway, this anonymous person that we're calling Guy hit this seven-number lottery, uh, which also had two other like things that he, this person had to pick correctly. Like It's a very, very, very difficult thing, you know, statistically, to get right. And he <laughs> did. Got $217 million and just announced this week that he's giving most of it, if not all of it, away to try to help save the planet. So he has formed 
this um, foundation. It's called Anamaya, and this is named after a town in um, Cote d'Ivoire, where this anonymous person, Guy, spent some amount of time during his childhood. This was um, all relayed to the newspaper Le Parisien. Uh, Apologies for my truly merd French accent. (laughs) Pas de problème. Can we say merd on a podcast? Is that all right? Can we use slightly bad words in other languages? <laughs> anyway, he was telling the, the paper, Le Parisien, that he spent time in Cote d'Ivoire when he was a kid, and he just remembered seeing this procession of trucks that were coming out of the forest with all of these trees that have been felled, all this kind of, you know, logging and harvesting of trees. And this anonymous Guy person watched this as a kid, and it just imprinted on him. And so all these years later, now that he's an adult, he wins all of this money, and he said he knew immediately when he realized that he had actually really won. First, he had the reaction that most people do, which he couldn't quite believe it was real. He kept double-checking and looking at the ticket and going online. And when he finally, and under, probably pinching himself, like actively and aggressively, <laughs> that'd be my first move. If I thought I won $217 million, he'd be like, is this really happening? A lot of pinching. After he realized this was real, he says his next thought was, I know exactly what I need to do with this money, which is donate it to, we'll create this foundation and then use this money to actually try to make a a substantial change in what's going on as far as our relationship with this planet, which is amazing. And also pretty rare, I think. I don't know if you've seen these documentaries or other articles, but it turns out that for a lot of people who win the lottery, it's not great afterwards Mm -hmm. because, you know, surprisingly bad if you have a you know this huge windfall of money and then you know you sort of think maybe you've quote-unquote solved all of your problems because now you can afford as many jet skis as you want (laughs) you know it turns out that you're still you you still got maybe a different set of problems now and so i've never heard of anyone just basically giving it away to charity though yeah it's incredible i know right do you ever play the lottery elena or buy any of those little like powerball things or anything uh, no, especially, and that's especially weird because I think about what I would do with my lottery winnings constantly. Like jet skis. Yes. Jet skis. Like I'd invent like a desert jet ski that could go over dirt. No, really. What do you think you would do though? Like if you won one of these things, what do you think you would buy? I would start a fully funded nonfiction grad tracks at all of my favorite schools that I visited as a writer over the course of my life. So there'd be, and it would be for like a, like a person, like a a person who wouldn't traditionally get accepted, like somebody who comes from a more marginalized background, like a first generation college student or a person of color or a trans person. And it wouldn't just be at one school though. It would be at all of these different schools all over the place. And, and then it would be like, oh, she's on the Passarello fellowship. Or maybe I'd, you know, maybe I'd name it after like my cat or something. The Spooner Fellowship. I got a Spooner. Yeah, I got a Spooner. That's Actually, so good. that kind of has a nice ring to it, right? Yeah. That is so much more altruistic than mine. I don't even know what I would do if I won all that money. But the good news is there's like no chance of it happening because I only buy the ticket when it's already like over $500 million. Like I wait until huh. the maximum number of people are playing it, which drives down the chances oh, of yeah. me winning it by myself because you have more people, you know, buying a ticket to the, to the yeah. dance. But I do have to say, when it gets to like an absurd level, I'll buy like a $1 ticket and then I just, I'll buy it on Monday. And I always joke with my friends, it's like walking around with a little sunshine in your pocket. Aww. Just like for a dollar. And I'm, this is not, 
an ad for lotteries, which there are many well-founded criticisms of. But in my own personal experience, I do like walking around the whole week with that little ticket thinking, what if? How yeah. many jet skis? Could I, could I get a jet ski that could ride on the back of a different jet ski? You could get a yacht that was basically a gigantic jet ski. And then invite all of the Spooner fellows onto yes, it for a celebration of, of their graduation. It's like a residency, like a writer's residency, only it's a residence ski. There you go. <laughs> now all we have to do is win, Elaine. I think we have the rest of this totally planned out. Sweet. Residence skis. And, you know, <laughs> me possibly having a yacht. That's the best news that I heard this week. Hey, coming up on the radio show this week, we're going to talk to Gregory Gorday about his early battles uh, with addiction and what it's like to be a chef who is now sober. Also, uh, what it's like to cook on Top Chef, which he's done a number of times with uh, great success there. Also, he now apparently knows Oprah Winfrey, so we're going to have to ask about that as well. We are also going to talk to Julian Sapparidi about how he transformed a doctoral research project on Asian American history into concerts and albums and films, all under the the name No-No Boy. Uh, And we're going to hear a song from his latest album, which uh, he basically went to uh, a site where there had been Japanese internment camps, and he recorded things there and has turned it into this music. It's really incredible and very powerful. So make sure you tune in on Friday or on a radio station somewhere in the country where Livewire is on as we play that this weekend. All right, thank you so much to the team of folks who make this show possible. Of course, Laura Haddon, our long-suffering executive producer. Our producer and editor is Melanie Sevchenko. Our assistant editor is Trey Hester. Special thanks to our intern, Jonas Myers. Molly Pettit is our technical director and mixer. Our theme music is composed by A. Walker Spring. And thanks to all of you, our listeners, for tuning in. Tell your friends about it, why don't you? Uh, We will see you very soon. In the meantime, head on out there and have the absolute best week. Dear Livewire, when we first met, I was really shy. I had no idea we'd spend so much time together or that you'd be one to fill my heart with with joy and make me want to be a better person. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were here. I was busy reading a review from one of our many, many rapturously smitten listeners. Oh, wait, actually, no, sorry. This is from Elena. Anyway, the point is, uh, it would be really helpful if you wanted to leave us a review Feel free to say really nice things about us, and uh, we'll even read them now and then on the show. So you might hear your review of Livewire read on the program itself. Uh, Reviews help other people hear about the show, and then we can keep doing this for a long, long time, because we love having this job. Uh, Thank you so much if you've left a review, and if you're about to leave a review, you can go ahead and do it right where you get the podcast.